Welcome to Solutions, where men come out of the shadows to testify, giving tips in manhood, honor the codes of integrity, and give out real solutions for soul survival. Today, we have on the, sh we have on the show a man whose voice can tranquil the waters in your shaken spirit, a man who navigates people towards their purpose, a man who always has the time for healing and love. He is an advocate for living your life to the maximum. He aids entrepreneurs in reducing stress levels and teaches how to maintain balance. Ladies and gentlemen, the consultant, the one and only Jean-Paul. Hello, hello everyone. I am so delighted to be here. Thank you, Jean. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling good. It's a beautiful weather here in Paris, France. It's a nice day. Paris, France. I've only been there once. I got to come back again. Are you ready to get it started and drop these gems today? Oh, I am. Let's get it started. Let's go. What person did you meet or see that gave you the drive towards the man you are today? Who or what defined you? The biggest person who defined me, who I am today, is my mother. It's my mom. And as we grew up, I became bonded to her. You know, when uh, we have two parents, we love them both, but there's always one that is a little more influential on us. And in my case, <clears throat> it was my mother. What was some she, of the things, I'm sorry, go ahead, please continue. Yeah, yeah it is with, through my mother that I learned uh, in a weird way, in a weird direction to recover what being a man is. I, we grew up, uh, in France, that was where I was born. She was the one catering to the house. She was the power lady at home. Like one of the ways that we've described her is that she's the oak tree on which everyone leans on. Mm. She's a wow. powerful woman. That. And she had that power to really, you know, both discipline, give and pay attention to. But she definitely is one of the primary influence of me become the man I am today. I think that's great. I think your mother's a great human being. And you said she had powers. At what point in your life did you see those powers inherited it over to you? And when did you use them? That came, I think the biggest point was when I was 12 or 13 years old. Until then, I was a young kid, fussy and hell. Love, you know, I ask things, I get it. If I don't, I complain and I end up getting some of the things. But when I was 13, um, we were in, yeah, we were in Singapore and I came home from school and I came up, went through the door, you know, expecting mom to receive me open arm, big smile, asking, hey, son, how was school today? What was that? Mm -hmm. um, but I did not see that when I stepped in through the door. When I stepped in through the door, I saw a very different scene. My mother was not there. She was sitting on a rocking chair, but it was not her, or at least it didn't seem to me. Mm. She was sitting in the rocking chair, head tilted to the ceiling, crying, unable to say anything. And I came, you know, I came up to her. I was shaking her up. Hey, mom, what's going on? What's happening? And she could barely say anything. She could barely say anything. As I tried to shake her out of that, me in that moment, trying the thing that I wanted most at that point in time was her attention, but I could not give it. I could not get it. I felt powerless in that moment. I felt powerless in that moment. And the aides in the house took me aside and took me away and told me that um, you need to leave your mom alone. She needs some time for herself. Uh, your uncle has committed suicide. Mm. Her younger brother mm. committed suicide. So over the next two weeks, I tried to jog her out of that state, but I couldn't. Like every tools of the trade, making her laugh, making me stupid, like creating havoc so that she could punish me any way I could get to get her attention. Mm. But none of that worked. I really felt powerless. And that seeded that drive to understand what pain meant why did people have pain and why do people suffer right that threw me on track on the journey of what i'm doing today 
of helping people connect to their soulful presence so they have the power to shape their world as a stepping stone for others to shape theirs. And that was basically the triggering experience for me to move forward, to find out who I really am. It didn't come right away, far from it, but that was the first step. You know, one thing I did recognize in my journey of talking to experienced men like yourself is that trauma creates heroes and it creates villains, but it's all about what you allow your spirit to take function, let, will let take function over you. And I see that you took that trauma and you created an experience of people to not have to revel in any of that again. You're cutting it off before it gets to the wrong parts. And I commend you for that. Trauma can create heroes. And I think it created something out of you and the reason why you run your journey today, like you just said. Mm. I appreciate you sharing that. And I appreciate you taking on your mother's power to make sure that her legacy and everything still seeds in the world from her experiences. And that's what it's all about, right? It is what it's all about. Trauma definitely is um, unlike what is shared a lot and spoken a lot. I come through the view of one of my mentors, Dr. Kim Jobs. Um, and the way he shares this is this. We often consider disease and health as two opposite. You either have one or the other. Mm. When actually both of them are necessary and both of them are part of healthy functioning because disease leads into health and health leads into disease and when you realize that it's it's a stranger aspect that disease is actually a manifestation of health mm. now if disease is a manifestation of health this is no reason to fear it, to avoid it, to suppress it, but it's more about understanding it. Understanding that these diseases, whether it is psychosomatic, whether it is physical, they are part of a process of transformation. What happens is a lot of us don't, are not educated to understand the kind of balance it is. And so we'll fight it off, we push it away, we try to avoid it, we ignore it. I think you are experienced enough to know that anything that you resist will persist. The the term dis-ease all itself, all in itself with disease, put your body at dis-ease. Yes, it is an imbalance and it is a cycle. And I do agree with that. It's the first time I've heard it in that way and you're actually growing me with this statement. So I'm trying to take it in and really listen. Mm. I understand exactly what you're saying. And what are some of the ways that you have trained your mind to understand exactly what you just said in totality? That was a long journey. Uh, that it took me easily since the, those 13 until my 30s to better appreciate and better understand that my diseases for, at least from, in my experience from the psychosomatic side, mm -hmm. is a question of expectations, mm -hmm. unrealistic expectations, or even fantasies, decisions of belief that I've made before that were useful for me at one point in time, but then through time was not useful anymore, but I didn't go back to say, oh, I chose that at one point in time. It's not very useful anymore. Let's let it go a little bit. Right. Right. Let me give you an example where, where that came really strongly for me. When I think it was, when I was 27, I think it was 27. So it's been five years that I've been single. I had a long five-year relationship and then it stopped. Uh, it didn't really work out. And so we moved on. Five years later, I went into a bookstore and I picked up, yeah, I think, I walk into the personal development uh, section of the bookstore. Mm -hmm. uh, I love personal development books. I love reading. And I'm, I am trying to figure out why people suffer. So <laughs> I read a lot. And when I went into the bookstore, um, I went into this section and I picked up a book, opened it and started reading like one paragraph of that. And when I 
finished reading that paragraph, I started bawling in the store.、Mm. Now, I said, "Oh, that's weird." I mean, I'm a man. I mean, grown up, you know, to support, protect my mom, my sister in whatever way I could.、Um, my sister and my brother, exactly. Brother, I have a half sister, but that's different. I was protecting my mom and my younger brother. So there I was bawling in the store, and as I walked down the stairs, you know, trying to ignore the, all those emotions boiling up, I stopped. I've read enough about personal development to know that if that situation situation happens. There's something there for me. There's a lesson for me. So I went back. I picked up the book, bought it, went home, read the book. It was Byron Katie's "Who Would You Be Without Your Story." Who would you be? Wonderful. That's what I'm saying.、Oh. I'm taking it in. I'm liking what I'm yeah. hearing. Yeah. Who、yes. would you be without your story? So Byron Katie has this gift of sharing dialogues and very powerful questions. And I walk. I went home. I read the book. Then I went online. I watched her do her process on people, and then I tried it on myself. I said, "Okay, I'm going to try that on." You no, know, I've been single for a while. It, it would be nice to have someone. Right. And I dug up、uh, the limiting beliefs, and the limiting belief that came up is, "You are not a human being if you're not with a woman."、Mm. Now, I mean, yeah. Think about it. You've been dating. You know how how it happens. If you're too needy and you're too desperate, you push all the women away. There was no chance holding that belief that would get anyone in my life.、Mm. In that day, I came that up, and the first thing that came to me is that I got angry. I'm 27. It's been more than 20 years that. More than well, no, twenty, fifteen years that I've been doing personal development. How the heck can I have such a limiting belief? And I didn't pull that out.、Mm. But in that journey, in that moment, it said it's not because I know it that I've experienced it.、Mm. You said so much, and I love. I want to go all the way back because I love what you saw, said about expectations. Can lead to some disease, right? I,、yeah. I love that. I really love that. It really opened up a rainbow in my mind of all the colors and all the ways that can happen. Somebody's expectations being the reason why they feel like failures. They're not realizing. They're not putting it against what they set out to do versus what's really happening in real time and how they can submerge into themselves into their failures. Yes.、Absolutely. One of the common one of the common expectations people have is to be someone else than themselves. That that is absolutely correct, absolutely correct. That is that is why I am very careful at least when I help people who you pick as a hero. The more the power for the hero, the more you have the impression that you're not good enough, no matter what you try. I think some of the remedy for that, not all, is to just pick pieces of the hero. I wouldn't say take the、exactly. whole mentality because there's so many people. Everyone is flawed, even heroes. But if you take the best parts of them and then acclimate them to yourself, and then boost yourself in areas that you feel that you are the best in your superpowers, I think that's when we're starting to go somewhere where you can get as closest to perfect as you can. Well, here's the thing: what you perceive in another person is actually a reflection of you. There's a concept called the psychological mirror. Which is everything you admire and resent in someone else. It's actually a demonstrating of something that you have, but you're disowning,、mm-hmm. and you're throwing it into the shadow, whether positive or negative. When I sit with someone and ask him, "Okay, what do you admire or what do you resent about that person?" and I really break it down to very specific pieces and specific meaning, I recover all the pieces within the person. But here's the magic about that. We are, as individuals, we're born into this world, and we're a soul having a human experience. There's a line for us to walk. Yet, when we compare ourselves to someone else, that comparison is done by our false ego. More exact, precisely, to me, the super ego is the injected values, imperatives from parents, preachers, friends. 
you know, mean here and others that said, here's who you should be. Here's right. you must be. To be successful, you must do this. To be right. that, you have to do this. You need to do this. But in truth, anytime that you hear yourself say, I should, I have to, I need to, I ought to, all those phrases are signals that what you're striving for is not you. Hmm. Okay. You have, listen, I want to elaborate on that a little bit further before I ask you my next question. Please elaborate Please. a little bit further on exactly what you just said. Please. Well, I need to is an imperative coming from outside. It's never an inspiration coming from inside. So what is a proper inspiration coming from inside? Give us a demonstration for those who are listening right now who want to know the right way to go about building themselves up and making sure they're pulling from the right source. Where the first place to look at is what do you spontaneously do every day without having anyone remind you to do it? Mm. Some people say eat. <laughs> That's part of an inspiration. Yeah. You know, there are people who love eating. I I enjoy good food. I was totally <laughs> talking about myself, Jean-Paul. So <laughs> so am I. Yeah. I love good food. Yes. I live in France. We have very good food nah, here. Man, so. tell me about it. Tell me about <laughs> it. Absolutely. Thank you for it's that true. example. But please so continue. That, so that's one of the pieces there. But often what happens is we do things spontaneously and then we judge ourselves because someone told you you shouldn't do that. Mm. Now you feel guilty because you just did something that someone else told you not to do. But if you look back and examine carefully that moment, what you did was actually truer to you than the should. I like I like what you're saying. It's it's sort of like a childlike behavior. They're the most free. Children do exactly what they want to do when they want to. Children do that when they are born. They are free. We as parents love them. They can pee on you. They can poop on you. You can scream and yell. Everyone loves them. But as they grow up, suddenly at one point, as parents say, "Oh, he's grown enough. Now we're going to start putting some boundaries." Right. Suddenly, the love that you're striving to get become conditional. Mm. But now, you know, you're a baby. You, you want to survive. You need the love. You want that love. You crave that love. So you start adapting to those rules. Or don't you? Or you rebel against them. But either way, you're taking position against the rules that are being imposed on you. Right. But if you inject those value into you and as a child most of them will do that in some shape or form you become slightly off balance slightly off yourself and that's why a lot of journeys in the personal development is a journey of remembering who you are you dropping some gems jean paul you dropping a lot of gems on me real early i wasn't expecting <laughs> you to go so go so all the way and so early i appreciate that you're exactly right there's a lot to digest there. Yes, people are saying, remember who you are. Even in movies as, as a child, like the movie like The Lion King, if you're familiar, the first thing he says to Simba is remember who you are. Yes. Remember. And tell him to go all the way back to his childhood to remember who he was. So it's it's exactly. there. It is very valid. It's a great space as an adult when you forget who you are and when you're lost to go back to what you love to do when you were a child. Because as an adult, you're doing exactly the same thing, just in a different form. Hmm. As a child, I'm a fussy, and I love questioning people, and I like bossing people around. Well, when I'm facilitating people, I'm asking questions, and I'm driving the conversation. So I'm hmm. kind of bossy in that way. I'm doing the same thing, just in a more efficient way. Just, and I agree with that 1,000%. I always loved performing for people when I was a child. My mother would have little get-togethers. <laughs> right now, I'm still doing that. I'm performing for people. I'm talking. I'm entertaining. Exactly. I'm bringing about questions and answers. But I do have a question for you, sir. Do you have a vision board? I have a vision board. Absolutely. And on that vision board... Can it's you... right in front of me, right behind the camera. So I can <laughs> see it every day. That's great. If I can ask you two goals on your vision board, one apex goal that you're currently chasing and one apex goal that you currently reached, what would it be? Well, the first goal that I wanted since I was a child 
was to find figure out why people suffer.、Mm. Now I reached that goal. I know why people suffer. I know where it comes from. I know how I can work with that. People suffer because they become attached to their thought. Now the Buddhist says that the desire of the unachievable and the avoidance of the unavoidable is the source of human suffering. Mm. And so, it's a beautiful phrase that encapsulates that that most、yeah. of our suffering is our own creation. You may have pain. Pain is a necessary function. I mean, you get hit, you get cut. It hurts. There's pain. It's the body signaling you、uh, that there's something off. To survive, you need to take care of the pain. But then suffering, that's an extra piece. You may get hit when you at one point in time, but the hit stops once the hit ends. But we as human will tend to repeat that hit in our head over and over and over again, and that reassessment, that repeating, that remindering of those、uh, re-triggers the same emotions over and over and over again until we actually learn that it's the thought that's the issue. Not the hit. Absolutely, absolutely. What goal are you currently chasing? You said you reached why premiums suffer, and that great antidote you gave of us, of thought. And、mm. I hope everyone who is listening today is really understanding and diving in and submerging, just submerging themselves into the knowledge they are hearing today from John Paul. But what goal are you currently chasing, sir? Well, the current piece of my vision is one to help. One million individual connect to their soulful purpose and lead an inspiring life. And how many? <laughs> I got the where's the number at? Do you know your number is right now? I don't know my numbers right now because I want them one at a time. But when you get there, it's on the way. It is on the way, and, I, and honestly, from listening to your aura and seeing your words, I'm going to say that you're going to go further than a million, sir. I'm sure it's going to go further, but right now, in my vision, that is a million. Goal. Yeah, absolutely. That's the goal. I, I totally understand what you're saying.、I、Most likely, to... when I hit a million, and then I said, "Okay, now done a million. Where can I? Where's the next number?、Where's、it's going to grow、goal? for sure. But for right now, the goal is one million. million. And I respect that. I told people that the goal is to interview 200 men. Many people say you're going to do more than that. But I'm telling them, like, I need to let you know this is the goal. This is where we are. This is the focus. Yeah. So I understand exactly what you're saying when you're saying no. This is the goal.、Yeah. With your goals in mind, the one million people understanding suffering and thought. What are some affirmations you tell yourself to keep yourself on this path, this journey? So the current affirmation that I use at the moment every day is. I surrender and submit to my soulful purpose,、mm. and allow it to shape, structure, and organize my thoughts, my feelings, and my actions, and allow it to focus my behaviors and my habits. And how many times a day do you say that for those who are just getting started with affirmations? If you're starting, I usually go for. Five minutes straight、mm. of just repeating it. It's not the number. Here's the thing: many people don't understand about affirmation. It is not about the number. It's about the feeling you get when you say it. If you say it and you don't feel anything, whether you say it or not doesn't really matter. But if you say it and repeat it and start feeling it in your body, feeling the energy that comes with the words, now you're actually getting somewhere. I agree with that one thousand percent. And you might say it just five times, but if the five times you say you feel that powerfully through your body, five times is enough. But if you can say it a hundred times and not feel anything. Like if you didn't do anything about it. So the power of affirmation is the power of the feeling you get when you affirm it. Affirm is to make firm. 
You're so trying now, to make it firm in your mind. So now we have this journey. You understand suffering. You understand thought. You have these affirmations. We talked about earlier where you had got your journey from. The art of trying to figure out why your mother had her head to the sky with tears coming out of her eyes. You put in so much work to understand these things. Along that journey, what did you sacrifice? Friendships. Social life. Being a bookworm. Uh, that does have a play on that. Making my own mistakes. Mm. My value is knowledge and wisdom but the price that i put on that is relationships there were relationships i did not take care of and that died out if you can there were go ahead there were yeah that's that's part of the sacrifice um you know the intense hours of reading books after books listening to teachers and trying to piece the puzzle together that takes a lot of time and learning how to share it and teach it and and pick out like what what is the most encompassing answer that i can find that has little uh that is most universal there's something i like to do during the show called an audible that's when i ask you a question that did not have on the dossier that yeah. i feel you have triggered me to ask Sure. Your moments of reading books, concentrating to be this person, we all get bent, burnt out. What is something that you apply to reset yourself to go back in and finish the task? I did not burn out when I did that. Oh. Here's why. Talk it's, part, it's part of my inspiration. Mm. I was not aware of it at that time. But uh. It's part of my inspiration. Now, when you're inspired doing what you love, it energizes you by doing it. Mm -hmm. You can't burn out when you do that. You can spend maybe 16, even 20 hours a day. You don't burn out because you're doing something that you love. And you can sustain it because it energizes you just to do it. Absolutely. Now, you will burn out when you're striving to do something that is necessary for the project. Yeah but it's uninspiring to you. And in those moments, you're actually using willpower and not inspiration to get it done. Now here's the challenge. Willpower is a very powerful tool, but it has a lim limited amount. And every time you use willpower to make decisions, to push yourself or force yourself to do something, you're using extra energy to go against your spontaneous nature. Mm. That extra energy is expend. It's an expense that you don't get back. And so the more you sustain that, the more you try to push through. Now it's great. You get, you know, you develop the willpower, you're persevering, you move forward. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. What I'm saying is you'll spend so much energy that you end up burning out. So is that energy equated to time? It's not equated to time. Okay. It's two different things. Energy, focus energy through time is work, is the effort, but it doesn't equate time. You can spend a lot of time and not use up any energy at all beside the standard energy just to stay alive yeah no couch potatoes are very good at that <laughs> they don't spend that much energy but actually what people don't know is couch potatoes are actually living according to what's most meaningful to them at that point in time here's the thing here's one weird way to say this but 24 7 seven days a week you are always living and expressing your purpose always but the judgment you have on yourself based on other people's rules will make you seem that you're not doing it mm. i hope people i hope people understand what he just said that is very very profound 
I like we that. are all we are all living on purpose at all times. You cannot stray from your purpose. Your mind can make you think that you're away from purpose, but you're always on purpose. Even working with people who seems to have very negative quote unquote habits, like smoking or drugs or others, when you really question them, smoking or drugs are actually a very strategic, concentrated approach to get all your needs met in a very short amount of time. It's actually a very ingenious way for the human being to get all their needs met. Now, once you realize that and you can uncover what were those needs were being fulfilled and you recapture those, then you might be able to find a different way of doing that. But what happens is if you're willing to uncover and take a look at what's happening underneath, not on the surface, underneath, deep inside the person, if you're doing it, it's because it brings you more advantages than drawbacks to your life. That's why you're doing it. That's the basic of the human being. And so as you work that through and really look at your life through those lens, you might realize, oh, that's why I'm doing that. Now you have a choice. You know, there's the outcome that you want and the means to get there. In life, there are many ways to get exactly the same thing. You found one way. Maybe it's a fun moment to explore a different way of getting the same thing. I like everything you're saying, and I like all the actions you're telling us to go about it, to free your mind and actually find you and get out the stereotypes, get out to the things that the media has brought into your life and find the inner version of you who felt free to roam in their light. But many, all of us have some type of flaws in us. All of us have some type of things that hold us up. So I ask you, on the fun side of things, what have you procrastinated on and why? I've procrastinated on quite a lot of things because procrastination was my attempt to do something that was not meaningful to me. Mm. That, I like that definition. Please expound upon that for those who just heard that for the first time. So this is something that I've learned from one of my mentors, Dr. John D. Martini. We, as human beings, live according to a hierarchy of values. Some things that are most important to us to things that are less important to us. Things that has the highest priority, less priority. Something that is most valuable to us and less valuable to us. When we're behaving according to our highest value, we're in our talents. This is where we say, I am. This is where you're alive. This is where you don't hesitate. You make quick decisions. You move forward. You're orderly. You're organized. You're disciplined, focused, reliable. Anytime you start doing something lower on your values, you will hesitate. You'll frustrate. You'll procrastinate. That way you're not disciplined. You're not organized. In that lower value, you're slow in your decision making. You don't have the attention for it. You don't have the retention for it. Then the lower values, this is where you perceive to have attention deficit disorder and retention deficit disorder. Whereas on the higher values you have, you have attention surplus and you have even retention surplus orders. You remember more, you're more attentive, you're more at peace there. So when we're procrastinating, it's simply a feedback to inform you that what you're currently right now, you don't perceive it as valuable to you. And there's two ways to go about that. One, delegate it. Have someone else who loves to do that, do that for you. Or two, uncover how it relates to your highest value. Mm. How does it help you get what you're more, what's most meaningful to you? And when you can realize that that very thing that you're trying to procrastinate on is actually serving you to get to your purpose, it becomes in the way, it becomes on the way, it's not in the way of what you're trying to accomplish. What steps do you take to evaluate that process? Which one? The, the delegated or yeah, no, yeah, not the mitigated, but 
the second process where you evaluate where it fits in your line of influences to make sure that you actually tackle it with the right energy. Yeah, for you. If you're clear on your telos and what's meaningful to you, what's most important to you, you can ask yourself how specifically is doing this task going to help me fulfill my highest value. When you ask that maybe 15, 20, 30 times and you give honest answers to that, you suddenly notice that the resistance disappears. Resistance is something that I like to talk about because I read a book called Do the Work with Stephen Pressfield. And he talked about resistance coming from anyone and anything when you're on your journey and your purpose. You have to recognize mm -hmm. resistance that will help you continue to move forward. I have a yeah. question I want to ask you. What was abusive to you that you thought was love? How did you recognize it? How long did it take for you to accept it? What was abusive to you that you thought was love? How did you recognize it? How long did it take for you to accept it? So what I thought was abusive was the way my father separated with my mother when we were 15. Uh, they had, uh, they were not married, but they had a separation. There was a legal pact in Vietnam. There's a weird legal thing over there. So they did do a quote unquote, a sort of divorce that did not go very well. Um, and that I could perceive that as abusive at that point in time. It took me 30 years to actually learn to perceive and observe the balance at 30. No, 20 years. I I'm trying to make myself older than I am. That's not <laughs> 20 hey, years. John Paul, everybody watching is like, there's no way you're over 22, but go ahead, please. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of people tell me that actually. I, I've tried that for the fun of it. I'm 39, but I've had some fun, you know, dressing up like as young as you are and to go to a kid's party. Mm -hmm. People still thought that I was like 20. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you got it, man. You got it. You got, need a dress. You got the young gene, sir. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so as I learned to recapture in what I perceived as abuse, Uh, in my father and actually learn what was actually happening. There's a hidden order underneath that. And when I recapture that hidden order, I enter a state of unconditional love. And then the label abuse simply disappears. And that is one of the things that I do uh, work with some of my clients who may have had abuse in their lives to transcend the label, to transcend the label of victim, to go beyond that. Because there's something deeper. Part of end of that journey we uncover is that it was there to prepare you somehow to be who you are. I'm gonna curtail this next question towards you. I usually ask it a certain way, but I want to change it a little bit for you. Mm -hmm. Should there be a basic training program amongst young men that talk about learning yourself with self-love, that talks about financial literacy, communication? But most importantly, the things you say about keeping that source of youth and spontaneity and freedom. Should, how early can we start teaching that to our children? Five years as a, old. As, as a tribe, a tribe effect. Absolutely. You can start at five years old. Here's a challenge. The knowledge is not that common. It is available. There are many teachers out there that teach different ver variations of what I'm sharing. And I'm standing on shoulders of giants. I did not invent these ideas. Like a lot of what I'm sharing is not 100% mine. It's really what I've learned from others through other people's experience, other people's teaching. I just synthesize it through my own personal lens and share it back into the world. Absolutely. What you're sharing is something I definitely would love to see that young men and women learning to govern their mind in a way that it's more connected to them. And so they live a more inspired life younger. But I also understand why it may take more time. Experiences. Or something with that. Their experiences. But there's also the soul's journey. Mm -hmm. The soul comes with a very specific intent that uh, in more in the woo-woo space, spiritual space that you may uncover and figure out like, 
why <clears throat> did I choose to come through these parents in this life and what did I choose to experience mm. part of that understanding at least in the spiritual side of things is mm-hmm. to know that you're a god in human form you're divine in human form you have a divine ability to create the reality that you want through the use of your mind except that when you grow up many parents they do the best they can but they don't know how the mind works they have not yet learned to do that and so they do the best they can and we grow up with you know the challenges and the experience we are but they are all feedback to guide us back to who we are it took me 30 years to find the appropriate teachers to give me the final pieces to understand that and really now start expanding on it instead of just seeking to piece the puzzle together and the knowledge is there and one thing that i find very amazing working with people is when you use these approaches these models with young children it's amazing how quick they can process an emotion whereas with adults who are attached to certain outcomes certain identities certain beliefs and certain ways of thing it just takes a, so much longer for them to get through that so there were two books one book being a book for children and one book being a book for adults what two books would you recommend people actually start with so for children there's a collection of books by a man named Scott Cranfield which is the wise bear series is distilling the wisdom of the ages in a way that children can learn and appreciate that as well from the get go that's one of them i know byron katie has a series also for children about tiger questioning his own thoughts that's mm-hmm. a beautiful one to share with with children both of these i find beautiful you can share it with uh, with your children they really help them get a better glimpse of what life actually is and not get lost in the illusions of the one-sided world and knowing that there's a balance out there right. uh, as an adult what would be the book that i recommend i think the one that encapsulates these concepts really well i would say uh john d martini's the value factor john d martini's the value factor i'm gonna have to write that down sir Absolutely. yeah that's a great book that teaches you to how your hierarchy of value works and how you can apply that through the seven areas of your life do you plan on writing a book sir or have you written any books right currently there's no plan in writing a book not just yet it will happen i see it in my vision uh but not at the moment it's not an immediate goal my goal at the moment is more working one in one and in groups to help people reconnect to that uh, become aware that they have a soul really connect and feel their soul then choose the way they would express that into the world and then help them optimize that so i do a lot more one on one coaching and facilitation at the moment everything you said to me has been phenomenal one of the, i want to go back and tell you that what you said about our expectations dictating how we feel uh, is is monumental for me it was a breakthrough for my consciousness and it helped me on so many levels and i want to tell you thank you for sharing that ingenious doctrinations that you learned over the years but now we're going to flip to the other side of the interview where we like to have a little bit more fun and not be so you know all right you get a little jovial we can have some fun now I want to know the top three things you you like in a woman, you want in a woman. And the reason I ask this question is because there is a certain criteria that sometimes men leave out of the top three. Now, it doesn't have to be in the top three because it's subjugated towards you. There's no wrong answer. Mm-hmm. I just want to talk about what your top three are and possibly see if you have what I think should be in everyone's top three in it. Ah, uh, top three aspects in the woman that I love. Funnily enough, one of the things that I love is a little more meat on the woman. I like to hold on something. I enjoy that. You know, I like to hug a woman. There's yeah. something there for me to hold. I, I love yeah. that feeling, that encompassing feel. In America, you know what we call that in America? 
How do you call that, that? We call that cuffing season. Something to, something to hold during the winter time. <laughs> <laughs> that's wonderful. Great word saying that. Yeah. Uh, that's that's one of the things that I definitely love. I, I love curvy women. Uh, I love thin women as well, but it's a different kind of appreciation. Mm, I feel um, that. That's one thing I love. I love their eyes. There's one thing when you can sit there and look and stare into her eyes to see that there's something more inside and and feel that you I actually have an effect yeah. when I look at them that chemistry that that is. That, that, is. Is, that is sexy as hell yeah that is, <laughs> yeah that is super important that definitely something that I really love and um, and for me strangely enough uh, the heart what she has in her heart So you said the heart. So I'm, I, I want you to elaborate on that for those who might. I don't want to leave it up to their own device to think about what that is. I want to mm -hmm. hear what your subjugated answer is in terms of heart. Well, uh, it's something that I, it took me a little while to understand. Um, as a man, you know, one of the things we as men love to do, and it's most men that have masculine energy, uh, we love to fix things. And that is usually one of the major source of dispute within the couples is <laughs> my lady brings home a problem and I try to fix it right away when she was not asking me to fix anything. She just needed to vent right. out what she was doing. Right. Um, and I learned to appreciate the way she shared. I learned to appreciate the emotional roller coaster that she goes through and simply be the center of the cyclone as she goes all over the place with that. Okay, sir. I appreciate that. And one and one thing I would like everyone to add in their top 10 is intelligence in a woman, right? Because all those levels of intelligence to have those conversations that you like to have to mm -hmm. be a part of your situation. I like to talk about intelligence, but I will ask you this. You studied suffering, but how much communication in terms of love and relationships have you involved yourself in? Like the five love languages and those in that regard of that information. Okay, so let me share. Let, let, let me you share with you how how far I, I, I went from. Far. I can feel it's very far. <laughs> I want to hear very this. far. That's, yeah. My social skill uh, in any at every level is totally learned. None of them is spontaneous. None of them is natural. Mm. Here's what I mean. You know, when my parents, my, my trauma of witnessing my mother that way and my father's and my mother's separation did that, I cut myself off. Like, there's my head and there's no more body, no feeling. I, I didn't want to have to deal with that. Hmm. So my mind went into overdrive. And so it went in such an overdrive that I lost even the most basic and spontaneous skills of human being. That is giving a hug. Mm. I'm in my 20s. I know that in social settings, we hug sometimes. And so there I was wondering, how do I hug? Like, how? Like, really, how do you hug someone? You had to come, had to come well, back from it, yeah. Yeah, how do you hug? Well, you know, the, the first step, uh, someone needs to signal and, like, open their arm. Okay, great. He opens the heart to hug. Now... I have a problem. Do I put my two arms under his or hers, over, in a diagonal, in the other diagonal? Like, like, like where do I have to step into that? Held here. Yeah, yes. Yeah? yeah? And, okay, you get the hug. All right, the person comes, wraps her arm around you. Like, how far do I wrap behind? Like, do I go all the way, a little bit, do I do a little tap on the shoulder? Like, you know, you, you, the question is, Do you hug completely? Do you have that V-shaped hug? Like, like where do you go from there? How tight do you want to do? <laughs> and even as I analyze all of that and seeing how the hug is done, I screwed up because it missed the most important step in my analysis. And what's that, sir? To relax into the hug. To relax what? To relax into the hug. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Enjoy it. Relax into that. Appreciate the hug. Well, it depends on whom you're hugging. It, you know, it's, it, it depends on why you're hugging. Right. 
<laughs> that too. <laughs> yeah. If you're hugging just for sort of show politeness, you wouldn't do that. But yeah. a true deep hug with your loved ones, yeah, you need to relax into that. Yeah, I'm talking need, with yeah. my loved ones at that time. I did not know how to relax into the hug. Right. That's how far I go in terms of learning what social skills is. Did I learn the love languages? Yes, I read those and I learned to apply those. It's funny because there are times when I'm willing to listen to those languages, and there were times I was too tired to care. <laughs> so <laughs> the language doesn't match. I don't care. Screw that. <laughs> I'm too tired. I'm too worn out. I'm not going to take the effort. It takes extra effort to do that. But that's yes, part of the value of relationship as well. Yes. Is to take that extra mile. And when you find the woman you're willing to take that extra mile for, that's where you're setting your ground to a beautiful relationship. Absolutely, I agree with that. Which leads me to my next question, which is one of my favorite questions to ask men on this mm. show. Now, once again, it's subjugated towards you. There's no wrong answer. But after you give your answer, I'd like you to expound upon it and tell me why. Okay. Are you ready for the question? Go ahead. As a husband, would you rather have a great woman or a great wife? Both. Explain. <laughs> Both. Because whether you claim whatever you put behind, whatever I put behind the word woman or whatever I put behind the word wife, it's an expectation. It might be more real as an expectation. It's still an expectation. Mm. But I'm not, I don't want to fall in love and relate with my expectations because that's just relating with myself. I'm trying to relate with another person, another individual. So the answer is, no matter how many labels you want to put on that, I want to relate to all of them because I'm relating to a person. This expectations thing is really taking me back. That is strong for me. I really love the talk about putting expectations on relationships and people for yourself. And that is, it's a breakthrough for me. If anyone's listening, Ooh. that is an amazing tool to have in your tool belt. We're going to continue on with the fun questions. Now, this is another yeah. fun question. Yeah, this is another fun question. Across cultures, I've realized certain things are not talked about for everyone in a detailed fashion. People mm -hmm. are not pedantic about this. Did you ever get a sex talk? Who or what gave you sex education? Uh, I don't have an issue talking about sex. So I've spoken about it from a relatively young age. I think it was... A little after, I think, starting 15 or 16. But yeah, I, I get but that. Because, but because, because I'm such a bookworm on that. Oh, you uh, read the books about it. Okay, you educated I yourself. I educated myself first because I'm hearing a lot of people complaining about sex and said, okay, well, I'm, I'm a bookworm. And I know there's wisdom in books. So yeah. people talk about sex. Let's go figure that Let, Let's read, see what people already say about it and then bring back and talk about the experiences that people have. So I learned, I read about all these variation of sexuality and, and realizing there's more than just hump, pump and dump. There's more to that. Like there's also the soulful version, there's the kink. So here's the thing that I don't know if you've seen that, but often when I go into a sex talk is, there's something called a human sex map on the internet. Have you seen that one? I have not seen it. Let's let's dive into it. I've not seen the human sex map. So it's um so you know you go on Google, search human sex map. It's a map of people's sexual fantasies and fetishes. And it's an island drawn out with different pieces around there. And you can go onto that and have a look. And you know, you start pinpointing, oh, I've done this, I've done that, I've tried this, I've done that. And at the end, you said, oh, seems like I've only explored a very tiny part of human sexuality. Like there's all these other pieces of the map that you can enjoy that you don't look into or have not explored. And uh, it's a very interesting tool to, to share and talk about that. Increased communication about sex is always welcome in my community. And, but, <laughs> but I want to talk to you about whether, why do you think parents, not all parents, just few, for what I've seen is few, maybe half, shy away from having sex talks with their children 
Huh, good question. My experience, a lot of them is because there's a certain prude or privacy in terms of what sex is because it, it's perceived as very personal and everyone needs to discover it by themselves. A lot of parents will do that. They'll teach the basic of the sexual reproduction of it, but they are not going to talk about the emotional or the uh, most soulful part of sexuality. One, because they have not yet experienced it. Mm. If you have a nice experience, it's very hard for you to talk about it. Two, uh, it is an uncomfortable topic in the beginning. Why? It's, it's, it's Because, the most natural thing in the world. It may be, but here's the thing. A lot of children don't want to hear how their parents have sex. <laughs> Are you so right about that? Yeah. Friend to the show, Dr. Patton. Mm -hmm. He said he had a sex talk with his daughter. He brought her downstairs. He had a condom and he had a banana. He then mm -hmm. placed the condom on the banana and he tried to talk to her about sex. And you know what she looked at him and said? Dad, I was going to take that banana to school today. <laughs> <laughs> Ew, that, that's one. Yeah, she just walked out the house. So yeah. those types of things, I get what you're saying. But they say a lot of people say it starts with actual respect of the woman first, from the man's point of view, just actual just respect of women. And then you go and have gradual conversations from there. Well, that's just, but that's basically a good piece of any type of communication. Because sex is also communication between two people. Right. And here's the thing. There's a person at the other end of the communication. Mm. Yes. 1, there's another human being at the other end of the communication. When we're younger, as is often as men, we tend to be much more self-centered. And a lot of women as well are self-centered in the beginning. Mm -hmm. There's a cycle of maturity that happens that where you cycle between, it's all about me, it's all about the others, it's all about me, it's all about the others. And we cycle through that until at one point, the pieces come together and said, it's about both of us right. at the same time. Same. But we, go, we, we spiral through that journey from me, others, me, others. And so when we can teach young men and young women that it is about the other, it's about the attention to share to the other, and there's an alternation between the two of those, that allows the men to be more patient and be more attentive. Understand that a woman's way to get uh, eroticized, get excited, is different from the men's way of doing it and be at ease with that. So for instance, I haven't, when I was younger, I had an unusual problem with uh, sexuality. I had, um, I had delayed ejaculation syndrome. It takes me two hours to come. Now for the ladies I, I'm with, they love that. I'm very patient, there's time. They get, you know, they, they get to climax several times. They love that. But at first it was very stressful to me to be, right. wait, everyone is telling me that they, 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 they're fast, it's quick, it's like 10 minutes, five minutes, like maybe 30 seconds. And then in one point in time, I said, wait, wait, what, what's wrong with me? Like, right. I, I'm very different in that sense. But then later on, I realized the reason I was that is because I grew up in a feminine environment, by my mom, everything was a little slower in that sense. Mm. And so I enjoy the process more. And in my sex experience, it's not about climax. It's about the journey. There's a lot to experience by simply touching the woman's skin and appreciating that, whether it's the feel, the texture, and even remembering through time what the texture is. So, you know, with, with my girl, I know that I can actually feel on her skin when she's ovulating. The skin texture is different. But that's because of the attentiveness of those little moments of, you know, going along the line of the body and feeling that and enjoying the journey of sexuality. And at the end, there's a climax at one point. And at the end, there's a climax. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and with my girl, it's almost like the inverse in terms of relationship is 
that's a lot of fun with when we converse is that she wants us to do it quicker she, she would love like the 20 minute 20 minutes 30 minutes sex and i tend to be longer than that mm-hmm. so there's a lot of fun as we we enjoy that it's like almost a reverse relationship in terms of masculine and feminine energy in our couple so that's a lot of fun Absolutely. I can tell you right now, there's many men who envy you right now that's listening to this podcast. <laughs> and there's many women who are saying, Ooh, I wish my man had that type <laughs> of problems in his life. But I appreciate you opening up and being very direct and open. And I ask these questions just to draw thoughts so people we can converse amongst men and really have this dialogue where we can actually grow and understand that we need to have these conversations earlier, that it's okay <laughs> for us to read books about information and go extract this information and apply it to our lives. Mm-hmm. I came up with something called operating at 100%. And what I mean by that is I took five categories and put them in a 20% each out of 100. Purpose, health, confidence, money, and knowledge. Again, that's mm-hmm. purpose, health, confidence, money, and knowledge. Purpose meaning you're working your purpose every day, doing the things that you're called to do. Health meaning you're working out, eating right, meditating, praying. Confidence, you're doing it without any fear or any insecurities. Money, saved a little money, invest a little money, paid some bills, and knowledge, you took in some new information. So, <laughs> this is Jean-Paul. I ask you, within the last 24 hours, how much of 100% have you been operating out of? That is purpose, health, confidence, money, and knowledge, all, to- all equal to 20% each, adding up to 100%. Okay, say them one by one. Purpose. So did it yesterday. I had several clients where I helped them connect to their soulful purpose. So that's done. Health. Health. Uh, I drink lime juice with kind pepper in the morning, every day, any evening, and drink two liters of water just to cleanse my body every day. So that's part of my health practices. Uh, and what else? I do. I do some stretching every day as well. So I've stretched as well. I absolutely gonna start drinking cayenne. I mean cayenne pepper <laughs> with lime juice. I'm actually gonna do that. I, yeah, I, I usually do it in my tea, but I enjoy mm. it. It's very good, and I and I do that as well. Confidence, yes. confidence. I'm confident when I'm helping people. So that's why I'm. That's my highest purpose. That's my telos. So when I'm in that space, I'm 100% confident. Money saved, invested, pay the bills. Mm. What did I do? Well, I signed up new contracts, so that's more income to me. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> and knowledge. I know you read something or took in some new information. Yes, I take on the information every single day. I don't miss that. Yesterday, it was about um, there's a particular piece of quantum physics that I'm paying attention to at the moment, the evolution of those pieces. So it's the, the conversation about quantum teleportation that I'm reading up about how those particles split out, get transported to one point to another. I believe, and I know this is off topic, but I believe you already have accomplished that goal in modern day science. I believe you've accomplished many things that that's not privy to the public, but I believe we finally made it with those calculations. Yeah, I, I know that the, the science research has demonstrated that we've teleported quantum pieces already. Now, the fantasy is to be able to do that in a Star Trek way when you can teleport an entire person. Yeah. That's, when, that's where we're going, maybe maybe or maybe not. I don't know. But probably someone <laughs> will research that for sure. Or if you're familiar with a movie like Spaceballs, you can teleport people and their bodies be backwards. I don't know if you Yeah, that. that would be a lot of fun to watch. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir. You are now part of the Silhouette Boys Club. It is people like you who move in the shadows to help people like me shine. Now, before you go, we love to get referrals for the show. Is there any other man you'd like to invite on the show to answer these questions and drop these gems? Well, I invited you to meet Matt Storm. If you can get him on the show, he's a very likely candidate. Absolutely. I will be talking to him. I have been talking to him. and We will have him on the show. Jean-Paul, is there anything you'd like to tell our viewers today where they can reach you, where they can connect with you? Maybe they can be part of your first one million. Please let mm-hmm. us know. So um, I have a website that is currently being built. So it's going to be up soon at uh, famconsultingint.com. So fam, P-H-A-M, consulting, and int for international.com, I-N-T. 
and uh, you'll be able to reach me there. At the moment, the quickest way to access is Instagram. I have uh, my Instagram handle at Fam Consulting. You can reach me there. And uh, here's the piece that I want to share with everyone so, as a lasting message. If you think you're broken, don't, because you're not. You're not broken. You do need, don't need to be fixed. You're living a process of transformation. So I invite you just simply to seek the help to find the knowledge and the people that can help you facilitate that transformation to be fully who you are and express who you are and your gift into the world, whether it is in your profession, whether it is a beautiful business you want to build or a wonderful charity that you want to create. Absolutely. Thank you. Jean-Paul, I want to thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you for sharing your time with me, your thoughts, your intuitions, your documentaries, your experience. You have grown me in many ways through this interview. I know it is very purposeful that I heard you speak today. And I know that many people that listen to this interview in the future and everyone within that first 1 million, it is going to be a blessing and an honor to have a piece of your light shine upon them to make them go greater than what they are. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your light into the world. I look forward to chatting with you soon. Absolutely. For those of you listening, you can reach me at solutionsformen at gmail.com to be a guest on the show. Also at Sheem1, all platforms. Let's continue this conversation on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Clubhouse, or in the street if you see me. Before we go, we end with a quote from Dr. Miles Monroe. True success is not measured by how much you have done or accomplished. It's not compared to what others have done or accomplished. True success is what you have done compared to what you could have done. In other words, living to the maximum is competing with yourself. It's living up to your own standards and capabilities. Success is satisfying your own personal passion and purpose in pursuit of personal excellence. So question of the day, question of your life, are you maximizing your life? Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Solutions. Thank you, Jean-Paul. Thank you.